You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, good morning. My name is Dave. If you didn't hear all the screaming uh, of that, uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox. Hey, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're doing that as well. Um, we are in the middle of this series called Unfollow, where we've been taking a look at social media, um, some of the good, mostly the bad, a lot of the ugly stuff that goes on out there. And um, today we're going to be talking about the comments. Ah, the beautiful comments. All right, uh, I just want to ask you, how many of you enjoy being in a fight? There are some, there are some people that like really, really love that. Uh, the only time I enjoy it is when I get the political text messages. Um, I like to, I don't ignore those. I go at it with them, you know, like I, and I like to play uh, different roles with people just to see what kind of thing I can, uh, I can, I'm, I'm a text troll, if you will. Uh, that's what I do on there. But all the other places, no, I don't, I don't like to be in a fight. But we, so much of, of our lives can be spent that way. There's also this commercial out there uh, right now. It's a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say things uh, about, there, there's like a, uh, it's for a medication. And it's about being present in every moment uh, of things. And, and one of the moments that, that's like, oh, don't you want to be present for is this, uh, is this, couple that's fighting, and it looks awful. And I'm like, I don't want to be present for that moment. Like, knock me out for that moment. <laughs> Just let that one pass. Because I don't want to be in a fight with people. It's, even, even when you're right, like, it's like, oh, gosh. Like, I don't, it's, it's just, a, it's a drain. It's a drain to be in a fight. It's a drain to be around people that are fighting at conflict, at each other. Um, that's why so much, I, I can honestly say, they're not in here right now. Okay, um, my kids, oh my gosh, love them. Just shh, just stop. Just stop. Like, I actually said this week to Gwen, the greatest desire of my heart. If I had, you know, if I had a genie or something, uh, and I, I, I could only have one thing, one thing, it would be to just be left alone. Just, just leave me alone. <laughs> like, I don't, shh, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't care what's going on. I don't care who did what to who or where or why or what. Just like go away. I don't want to hear any more of the fighting. But we, we, we have family, and we love them, and we're living close, so that means that there's a lot of conflict. Uh, I remember, you know, I was up here with my sister. We used to have our conflict, and um, we, would go, we would get physical with the conflict. Anybody else with me? Like, you'd actually, we would have wrestling matches in the living room, and I would be like, I'd, you know, it's the 80s, so I'd be like Rocky Balboa or Hulk Hogan or something. And my sister would always be her initials, S-A-K, uh, at the time. That's why we call her Sack now. Uh, but yeah, it's stuck. But she's like, I'm S-A-K. There's, there's something about like beating on S-A-K that just doesn't make you feel that great. Uh, I did it nonetheless. Sorry, Stacy. <laughs> Uh, but we, we have this kind of conflict and you know, relational conflict. I remember some of my high school relationships, and I'm like, what bit of joy? Like, we absolutely hated each other, and I don't know why we were in a relationship. All we did was fight about everything. Um, but whatever it is, whatever the conflict, we, the problem's never us, is it? Like, the world would just be so much better 
if everybody would think, see, act, do the way that we are because we all are always right and everyone else is always wrong and they're not that smart, to be honest, uh, <laughs> about anything. I'm just looking at my, I got my family here today and, and I even remember having conflict with my mom one time about music. I love music. I hold my opinions very passionately. Uh, very passionately. And one time in particular, I remember we were talking about music and my mom said that the Beatles were one of the greatest bands of all time. And I said, yeah, probably, but I don't think that you've heard Limp Bizkit, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And we legit had, like, I was like, all right, mom, whatever, okay, boomer, kind of thing. Like, I I can see that perhaps I may have been mistaken. Now, uh, one of these bands' music has held up while the other, uh, amazingly, hot dog chocolate and the hot dog flavored water. I don't know what the album name is anymore. <laughs> okay. Right. So, um, yeah, I get, this, is, this is my Fred Durst uh, hat uh, today, you know, going after the Olympus. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but we always think it's somebody else. Somebody else is wrong. Somebody else is dumb. Uh, you know, somebody else is just being impossible. But when I think about all the conflict in our life, I have to think, what causes it? Why? Can we just not get along as people? And especially as I look at our social media. We go on Facebook, the number one reason. Strangely, when you go to deactivate your account, like nauseating cesspool of of conflict is not one of the options that you can give as to why you are leaving. It's just like, oh, you know, it's not useful. It's not helpful to me. No, it's not helpful to me in my sanity. Uh, It's not helpful at all. Um, But especially as we press into social media and and the conflict that seems to be on there all the time, I have to stop and go, why? What is it about the comments that just like seems to get people going? And what I almost said was bring out the worst in us. Sometimes on social media especially, uh, we tend to look around and we have this conflict and we go, you know what? You are the problem. We even start our posts, our comments with this. You are the problem if, blank, fill in the blank. You're the problem. Everybody else is the problem. Everybody else is wrong. They're, they're believing lies. Uh, they're, they're, they're just, I don't know what they are. You can, you can come up, I'm sure that you're coming up with things right now uh, in, in your mind. But we always go to your the problem. What if today um, there's something about this that brings out the worst in us? What if the reason for so much of our conflict is not necessarily out there with our friends, but actually in here? There's something in us that comes out. And when there's conflict on the inside, it actually makes its way out into conflict on the outside with other people. I wrote this down. There's, we have our Facebook friends, right? And so many times our Facebook friends find the problem in others, in you, in someone else, in a mysterious them. But we have God's friends. Those that would say, I'm friends with God, find the problem in themselves. Find the problem in themselves first. We've been going through the book of James together, and we're on chapter 4. There's, a, there's five chapters. It is a, a straight-to-the-point, short hard-hitting book. And before we get into it today, would you pray with me? Father God, so many of us come here today looking for peace, looking for a place away from the conflict, away from the constant noise. We come here looking to be in your presence. 
hear your voice, your truth. God, would you speak to us in this time? I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here and that it would fill us with peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace amidst chaos. Peace that goes beyond our circumstance. God, would you just be here and speak to our hearts, God, and bring the peace that only you can bring today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, James 4 starts out this way. The same question that we've been asking. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So many of us would say, yeah, I know the answer to that. That party, that person, this issue, this thought, this ideology. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among, it, among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Not people are out, at war out there, but the cause of people being at war out there maybe has something to do with what's in us. Your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have. So you murder. So many of us will look at that and go, wait, hold on a second now. That's, that's, that's going a little bit far. Right? I mean, I, I don't murder people. Well, actually, if you, if you look at Jesus' words back in Matthew, he actually says that if you have so much as, as been angry with your brother, it's, that's where murder comes from. That's actually what it's, where, what it's like. There, we all hold on to anger. We all have this hate. We go, oh, I don't hate, but, you know, like, no, no, no. We hate, we get angry with them. And we hold on to this. And what ultimately comes out, man, this isn't actually that big of a jump. Look around. Read the news. You get angry. There's fight. There's violence. There's murder. You desire and you do not have. So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. We covet things. Covet means that we want what somebody else has, whether that is power or approval from someone else. Maybe it's money. There's something out there that we want, and we go, you know what? I want that. They shouldn't have it. I should have it. I want it, and I'm going to try to get it. I'm going to take it from them. We covet, so we, as James 4 says, we covet and we cannot obtain, so we fight and we quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. You know not, you not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's, it's like being an enemy of God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There's a way of operating, right? We, we, we look to other people, we look to things, and we try to get them from others, whether that's, again, power, approval, money, relationships, respect. We try to get those things from others when really they're the things that only God can give. We try to get from others what only God can give us. And I think of any time I've ever gone to a, a park or, or the zoo or something, and there's ducks or geese, you know, birds uh, all around, and you start to give some some bread, some crackers, Cheerios, whatever you got, all of a sudden what happens? Like, they flock to you, and they start fighting with one another. Why? Why do they fight with one another when I am freely giving something out? I, it's free. I have a lot of Cheerios, guys. Form a line, you know? <laughs> like, come on. 
But no, they, they, they flock to it and they start fighting over it because they have what I call a poverty mindset. Like, there's not enough to go around. And there's that bread and I need to have it. So what happens? They have this passion, this desire inside of them for that bread. And because they need to get it, they want it. They don't care if anybody else gets it. They don't care if anybody else goes without. They have to have the bread. So they're going to quarrel and they're going to fight and they're going to go at it. Why is it that in our culture right now, we really believe that in order for us to get, we have to take from someone else. In order for us to win, someone else has to lose. It's this poverty mindset. There's not enough to go around. I have to get from you because there's not enough. But what this is saying is that we have a God who freely gives to us. That What you're after, that acceptance, that love, that respect, there's something inside of you you're trying to fill, and you're trying to get it from other people, which leads to quarreling and fighting. But instead, if we went to God, who's, he's handed it out. He's got it all. And there's so much, plenty to go around. We try to get from others what only God can give us. And what happens when someone prevents you from getting something that you want, when someone prevents you from satisfying a desire, they become an obstacle to overcome. Right? They become an enemy to, to defeat. When somebody stands in the way of me being right, when somebody stands, and, and if being right is, is that important to me, I now have an enemy. I now have an obstacle. And I have to, I, I have to prove you wrong. There's something in me. If I need acceptance, if I need respect, if I need power and influence, and somebody comes at that in me, you have now become an obstacle to overcome, an enemy for me getting the desire, the passion of my heart. And so what happens when somebody prevents you from satisfying this desire is that we begin to relate to each other as adversaries. We're, we're no longer people looking to God who can give and satisfy and fulfill every single one of our needs. We're people that are looking around at each other going, you are going to keep me from getting what I need. You're going to keep me from getting what I want. You're going to make me look bad. You're going to ruin the world. This, that's not an overstatement. This is, this is politics right now. That person will literally destroy the world. They have to lose so that we can win. They have to. People become obstacles to overcome, enemies to defeat, and we end up with conflict. We end up with quarrel. We end up with, quite literally, war. War in our hearts. War in our families. War on the streets. War in the House. War in the Senate. There's war. War never leads to friendship. It just doesn't. War never leads to friendship. Nobody makes their best friend on a battlefield, especially when, the, when they're on the other side. I see this so many times as comments play out. You know, like, we, we keep on going back, to, back and forth with each other, thinking that maybe somebody's going to go, you know what, I'd never thought of it that way. No. I, I have never once seen that. Perhaps, you know, reason wins, and, and we take things offline and, and we can have a conversation. Perhaps, far more often, War leads to enemies. War leads to more conflict, more quarrels, less relationship, less love. And when we have these wrong motives that we're going at, they're playing themselves out in the world, in our relationships, especially on social media. It actually pits us against people and in the process pits us against God himself. There's flip sides to things. 
Many of you have probably heard, you know, that, that we, part of the way that we love God is by loving others. When we treat others poorly, then, isn't there something to us, us then treating God poorly? When, when we're at war with others, how can we be at peace with God? Your parents, you know, your best friends. You know, if you've ever been in a bar, somebody messes with your posse, your people, I don't know if people say posse anymore, right? You come at my bro, you come at me, you know? You can tell I haven't been in this situation before. <laughs> it's not really me. You mess with my people, you know? And that's what it is. God loves every single one of you, every one of us. Both sides of the aisle. It's an old song, red, yellow, black, and white. They're precious in his sight. Not the enemy. You can't be at peace with God and be at war with others. It just doesn't work that way. But when we have these wrong motives, when we're looking to get ours, it pits us against people. It pits us against God, and relationships start getting destroyed. Trust in the system starts getting destroyed. Our emotions get ripped up inside. Days get ruined. Families ripped apart. Friends, churches. Jesus came to bring a different kingdom. And in his kingdom, with him, him in charge, everybody else living in good and right relationship. With him and with everybody else. This is why Jesus came, to restore us to a good and right relationship with God where we did not have that before. The Bible says that Jesus came to die for us while we were still enemies. Enemies. I'm going to get into this a little bit more. Uh, that's not something that we usually use to describe our relationship to God. Enemy. No, no, no. God is a friend. God's a buddy. God's a coach. God loves you. you know. Enemies. We'll get into that in a second. But Jesus comes, he dies so that we could be restored to a good and right relationship with God first, which means that now we can live at peace with everybody else because we're living at peace with God. I want to lay out in, in the rest of our time together a, a peace plan, all right? A peace treaty, if you will. Five things that if we do, I think would bring more peace and less war in our life. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. I would love some peace and quiet around here. It would be great. Here's the peace plan. We're going to keep on going in James. In James chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, it says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says, He, meaning God, God yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us, but He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. But God gives grace to the humble. Later on in verse 10, it says that, hum, that we should humble yourselves, humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble ourselves. The peace plan starts with this, looking at ourselves and going, you know what, am I operating out of pride or humility? That's the P. Pride or humility. Pride, very simply, thinking more of yourself than you should. Humility, thinking less, less of yourself. More of yourself, less of yourself. Getting mine, standing up, fighting, taking somebody on. I'm good. They're wrong. 
I'm the best, you're the worst. I'm doing Adam Sandler in my mind. This is how my mind works. I'm the best, you're the worst. You know, like, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm smart, you're stupid. All this stuff, like, pride is going to lead to conflict. Humility, on the other hand, leads to peace. The Bible says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. There's not a whole lot of that that's happening. I said that we were going to talk about this idea, though, of being an enemy, an enemy of God. Um, and I, I really like, one of the other things that I used to torture my sister with was, was images of aliens, especially when we watched Unsolved Mysteries. She'd be like, I, I don't want to see the aliens. And I'm like, I'd be like, open your eyes. It's all right. They're not, ah, you know, and then she sees the drawing. They would always do the drawing, like, like somebody's going to know that, oh, I've seen that alien before. Like, like somebody knows that one. Um, but they do the drawing, you know. And any time there's ever an alien movie, maybe you've seen Independence Day or something, right? The, 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 the ships come in, and, and they're, they're just sitting there over major cities. There is one question on everyone's mind. Do you know what it is? It's a relational question. Are they hostile or are they friendly? Are they hostile or friendly? Are, are, are they here to, to have good and right relationship or is our relationship one that we're enemies? Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we hear this, you know, like, oh, you're the enemy of God. Jesus died for us while we were still his enemies? Why does God hate us? Why, why, why is God at odds with us? What did we ever do to you, God? Right? That, that kind of thing. Here, here's, here's the truth. God is not at odds with us. The, the, what we just read, he yearns jealously for you. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. So many of us, we don't, this, this whole thing where we, we want, we have desires, we have passions, we covet. We want stuff from God. God doesn't want stuff from us, but a religion actually says that that's how we should approach God. That God wants to manipulate you, control you, use you to get stuff from you. So does the church. No, God says, I, I just bring jealousy over you. I love you. I created you. I want you. I want to live in a good and right relationship with you. But we're the ones then if we're at odds, if we're enemies, we go, no, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I'd take your stuff. Seems like you're a powerful God. I'd take your stuff. I'll take more money, God. I'll take more success. I'll take more power. I'll take more influence. I'll take more pleasure in my life. I'll take some stuff. And God's going, I want, I want you. I want to live in a good, right relationship with you. I want to bring your soul to peace so that you can be at peace with others. And we say, no, I want my kingdom. And I don't care who else I destroy in the process of getting it. This, this thing, you know, we, you, you ask wrongly so you don't receive. This is where it is. When our heart is set on us and, we're, and we are committed to meeting our needs, no matter who gets in the way, how can God answer that prayer? How can he be a God of love when he will, he will give you whatever you want no matter what it costs to anybody else? That, is a, that would be a very cruel God that plays favorites like that and says, you know what? It's all about you. I'm going to let you think that. I'm going to let you be right. I'm going to let you succeed. Even though you succeeding brings so much damage to my world and the people who I love so much. When we're about our kingdom with us as king, we actually exist opposed to God. 
and his kingdom and his people and his world that he created and loves so much. And we operate in ways that bring destruction, war, fight. Nobody wins in war. We've known this for a long time. Who really wins? Some people come out on top, but everybody loses. And this is the way that we're operating. We're just, instead, instead of nations being at war right now, we have families at war. We have churches at war. We have people at war. And instead of it happening on battlefields, we've just moved it out into the streets and even worse, into the comments. Right? War. So what's going on in here? And it's never going to bring peace. It's never going to bring life. It's never going to bring more of his kingdom. Only humility. Oh, God, I, you want me. And that's it. Only you can bring the peace that I want, the stuff that I need, fulfillment. God wants you. The E part. It's only when we go, you know what, it's, it's, it's not about me. God, this is about you. It's about others. I want to be like Jesus, and I want to put other people up. We also, we don't just lower ourselves. I don't want to just say that, oh, it's, it's thinking about yourself less, you know. No, no, but it's also making much of Jesus Jesus' cousin, when he was on, on earth, a guy named John, maybe you've heard of him, John the Baptist, he actually, like, he's, he's, he's gaining some influence. People are following him, and, and they're coming to him, and they're going like, hey, what do you think about this Jesus guy? Is he an enemy, right? Is he, is he wrong, and you're right, John? And John actually goes, no, no, no. I, actually, if anybody of you want to leave me and go and follow him, you should do that. You should go there. He actually says, I need to become less so that Jesus can become more. How many of us can say that along with John? Like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be okay. If me being less meant that Jesus, there was more Jesus in the world, if me being wrong in this meant that more of God's goodness, his grace, his love, his passion, his, his peace was in the world, that's all right. I, need, I can just be less so that Jesus can be more. The E of the peace plan is exalting Jesus, instead of exalting ourselves, again, go to verse 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. How much of our lives, how much of our time is spent exalting ourselves, just trying to get ahead? If I can just climb my way to the top, if I can just show everybody I'm right, they were wrong, that I was actually the one, it was right. No, we don't do that. We, we spend so much of our time exalting ourselves. But Jesus says, hey, if, when, when you exalt me, I exalt you. The things that you're trying to get, I'm given. And you're going about it all wrong. In the process, you're tearing down yourself and others. You come to me, I want to lift you all up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humbling yourself means living under God. Going, all right, God, it's not about me. It doesn't have to be my purposes, my plan, my way, my perspective, my timing. I want to live under you. You're bigger. You're more powerful. You're in control, and you're good. You're, you, you see it all, and I see this much. You know what you're doing, and I don't. That's what it means to exalt Jesus, to, come, to submit yourself in verse, uh, sorry, verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves. Come under. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. When we submit, 
ourselves. We, we come close to him and we can draw it near. Now, part of that, that submission, I know it's a bad word. We don't like that. But it's because we don't trust, we, we don't trust authority in our culture. Because we've seen bad authority. But listen to this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Elsewhere in the Bible, uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, says that we can boldly approach the throne of grace so that we can find mercy and help in times of need. This is not a king like any other. This is not an authority like any other. When we submit ourselves to him, we, we, you know, he doesn't like punish us. He's not out to get us. Away from me, you sinner. This is how many of us approach God. Instead, we've got a dad on the throne that we can kick open the door like it's a bedroom at 3 a.m. and run into his lap and say, Daddy, I know you love me and I need help. And he's happy. He's happy to help. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. It's you. That's me. That's the kind of God that we have. He desires you. He wants relationship wants to meet your needs. He doesn't want you to go about getting them in destructive ways to you, to others, to the people he loves, to the world that he created. He wants you to come to him so that he can meet them. Pride or humility? Are we exalting Jesus? Are we submitting ourselves to him? Or are we trying to take from others? And then A, actively resisting the devil. I just read that in verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Again, I'm hitting all the unpopular topics today, okay? We don't talk, we, we, we want to talk about our enemies without ever talking about the enemy. There is a spiritual enemy. God is, God is a spiritual being, and there's a spiritual enemy. They are not equal and opposite. This isn't yin and yang. The enemy, the devil, is less powerful. He's manipulative and he's evil and he thrives on, he's the ultimate troll, thrives on chaos, wants to steal, kill, destroy. He's looking for opportunities. So many of us, though, just go like, oh, all right, well, I'm not really going to think about that. I mean, if, if, there was, if there was a predator outside of your door, if there was someone seeking to kill you, I don't think that most of us would go, well, I'm just not going to think about that. I'm just going to think positive thoughts. I, I, I'm going to be honest. You, you would probably be looking over your shoulder a lot. You'd probably be taking certain precautions to make sure that they couldn't get to you, your family, your kids, your house. You'd actively resist their influence, coming into contact with them. There are certain ways that we can do this, especially when it comes to our social media. How can we actively resist the devil so that he can't get to us? Well, the first one, I, we can set boundaries in our life. We can restrict access to things. Satan wants to waste your time, get you to spend your, your whole day scrolling through a feed, seeing things that make you feel bad about yourself, comparing to others, you can set restrictions on that. There's one way to actively resist the influence of the enemy of your soul. He wants to keep you from the good. He wants to put in front of your face the bad. Put some restrictions up. You get time limits. You could go out, you're in settings right now. You can invite somebody else, your accountability into that. My, I am not, I know this will sound crazy. I think I've said it before. I cannot, set, I cannot install apps on my phone. 
because I don't have Facebook on my phone, and I know how easy it is to get it back on my phone, and I don't want it on my phone. Therefore, I've given Gwen the password to my phone, and any time that I need to download an app, I just go, hey, I need to download an app. She goes, what is it? I say, well, it's this one. She boop, 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 puts it in, and I do it. But if I go, it's Facebook, she'll say, no. <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple, because I don't want to want that in my life. Maybe there's something else for you. You can set restrictions, or you can set a time limit, set a certain place. We also have a little crate in our house that says, you know, place your phone here. I don't know what it is for you and your family. What kind of restrictions can you set up in your, in your life? We can renew our minds. We can change the way that we think about this. Uh, after seeing the movie, The Social Dilemma, I don't know, maybe some of you have seen that, uh, but Gwen and I had a conversation about our kids and their relationship with technology. And what I said to her was, listen, like, it's, it's not enough for us to just say, hey, you guys can't use this stuff. We're, because if we do that, that's going to lead to resentment real quick. Oh, you're telling me that I can't do it, but you show me with your life that the good life is spent staring at a screen? They're going to resent that, and they're going to want that. No, it's up to us to change the way that we think about our time, the way that we think about life and the good life and everything that Jesus has for us, and go, hey, kids, we're changing our minds first. It starts with us, and we're, we're going to reject the lie that there is something good for us sitting here doing this, and instead we're going to embrace the truth that face-to-face conversation is much, much better than a text message. We're going to embrace the truth that a life spent in actual connection, in actual community, on a serving team, in a small group, with some friends, is actually better than a chat room or a group thread. We're going to embrace the truth that going out and being outside is better than seeing pictures of it. Those are the things that we want to renew our mind and live out so that our kids can go, yeah, I want that too. We can restrict. We can renew. We can also replace things. I was talking with Greg Meehan, one of the other pastors here uh, at Paradox this week, and I loved it. He said he's trying to cut back on, on, his, uh, on his social media use, and so one of the things that he's doing is that every time he pulls out his phone uh, in, and to, to check something, you know, like whether that's email, social media, I don't know what it is for him, uh, every time he pulls that out, he instead goes to the YouVersion Bible app first. He's replacing. He's just using something that he's going to naturally do and go, oh yeah, all right, God, I'm going to open up the YouVersion Bible app. I'm going to see what's there. We can replace stuff really easy. And it, some of these ways are ways that we can actively resist the enemy and what he wants to do. But it's active. It doesn't happen passively. It doesn't happen by us just crossing our fingers and going, I'm hoping for the best. Jesus, come back soon. You know, like, No. It's active, and we have to fight. All right, moving on really quickly. James 4, 8 and 9 says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oh, the challenge today. Oh, such a feel-good message. Uh, Be wretched. Be wretched. Here's Here's the application point for today, right? Be wretched and mourn and weep. Have a great week, paradox. Right? Like, oh, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I think we all have this friend on our social media feed as well. You know, like, oh, you're laughing in this world? Let your laughter be turned to mourning. All right, but no, here's what this is. This is not a sentence where we're all supposed to just be miserable all the time. 
because the world is terrible and we're at war within us. No, there, there's actually a pathway to peace is sometimes, if, it, if we're at war within ourselves, then the pathway to peace is going to go through ourselves. And so we might have to take a look, not at everybody else's faults, but some of our own. Okay? This is just admitting, humility, that maybe we're not perfect. This is a church where no perfect people are allowed. If you are perfect, then you should find another church. You know? And if you find a perfect church, please don't join it because you will mess it up. Okay? We're all imperfect, every single one of us. We're all going to mess up. We all do it, and we all know it. We're just owning it here at Paradox. We go, hey, you know what? We're broken people, and we need somebody else. We need Jesus. Yeah, it's our crutch. We need a Savior. We can't clean up this mess on our own. We get it wrong a lot. We have the wrong perspective. We do damage to other people, even damage that we didn't intend to do, even in our best intentions sometimes. We don't always live it in good and right relationship with God and other people, and so we need each other to help and have grace with us. Cleansing your hands and purifying your hearts is, is just this, going, look, all right, how do I need to cleanse my hands? Your hands, this is what you've done, or maybe what you've typed. Cleanse your, cleanse your thumbs, you know? What have you typed? What kind of damage has that done? There's a, there's a really, really simple, this is elementary stuff. Where you've done damage with what you've said, with what, what you've done, with what you've typed, we can go to people and cleanse them by apologizing. Is there anyone this week that you would just go, you know what, I'm going to apologize. I didn't mean it this way. I know you took it this way. I know some damage was done, and I'm sorry. It can go a long way. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. You double-minded, it says. I love that the heart and the mind are connected if we're cleansing our hands from what we've done, what we've typed, then cleansing our, our hearts and our minds is what you've thought. You know? I'm really good at this one. I, I like to think that I don't sin because I really think about what I want to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it just right. Oh, but if you saw what I thought. If you saw what I thought. We, we can't just, con it's exhausting trying to put forth an image. They go, oh, you know, this is actually what I feel. This is actually what I think. No. We, if what's on the inside, if there's chaos, if there's war, if there's hatred, is going to come out, we started this whole series with that, then i got to take care of what's on the inside. i got to think about what I think. And I have to catch myself and go, no, that's not true about them. That's not true about this situation. That's not what they meant. I don't feel that way. And Jesus actually, you, don't, you want to get into the commands of God. Jesus commands us to not only, like, not think bad thoughts about our enemies, but to pray for them. You can't hate who you pray for. You can't. You ever in a fight with your spouse? Try, you, you know, pray with them. Pray with them. I guarantee it's, it's hard to be so mad at them, to hate them, oh, that, ah, what she's doing, when you're praying for them. Pray for your enemies. Cleanse your hearts. Purify them. What if we prayed for people more than we tried to persuade them? If you have an enemy out there on social media, that guy again, and every time you saw them, that was just your, your all right, got to pray. Got to pray for them. Got to pray. Not that they would get theirs. Not that they, they would come around. <laughs> would you just smite them, Father? <laughs> That's all right. Purify my heart again, Jesus. <laughs> That's right. I'll pray for them. And another a, a part of this, too, is, is forgiving. There's been a lot of hurt 
You know, it's not just us that's damaged. Sometimes we recognize when we do go inside that there's been some hurt caused. There's some damage there. And we need to forgive other people. It's another command. We need to forgive people so that we can receive forgiveness from God too. That's what we pray in the, in the most famous prayer ever, the Lord's Prayer. God, for, would you just forgive me the way that I forgive others? It's dangerous. I don't want to hold on to stuff because it makes me bitter. It makes me angry. It makes me resent. It, it, it make, I, I have all this, oh God, would you just give them theirs? Would you show them the right? I got to let go of that so that what's on the inside can come out. So that I'm not at war within myself. So I can have peace within. I have peace with God. I can have peace with other people. We forgive and it starts on the inside. We pray for them. And we apologize. Finally, the E is to encourage and build up. Encourage and build up. And I want to go really quickly through this. James 4, verse 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? What is... what? This is odd to me. What does judgment have to do with speaking evil against someone else? Here's what I think. When we speak evil against someone else, it will typically sound something like this. You are a blank. And what you do in exactly that moment is pronounce a judgment on them, on the motivations of their heart, on the quality and the content of their character, when all you see is just a very small glimpse into what you think they said, did, or meant. That, my friends, is judgment. When I see someone's words and assume they are a racist, assume they are a bigot, assume they meant that towards me, I'm, I'm, I'm judging in that moment. I'm making a judgment and I'm placing myself over God. Myself who knows very, very little. God who knows all things. Doesn't see that we see. I place myself over God. And I hold people to my standard instead of calling them to God's standard. Matthew 18 actually goes, goes through this. There's this process for reconciliation, for how we can encourage people, build them up. Um, and I just want to go there really quickly with you. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, and I think that's, that's, notice, that's of note. If someone else sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. This isn't even something that you did that you need to take responsibility for. If someone else sins against you, you go to them. How many people are holding on to bitterness, anger, resentment? They're, they're, they're throwing stones out there on social media, posting things, posting away because of some perceived hurt, some offense that's happened, and they have never gone to that person and even said it. Not once. We go to God first. and go, God, am I misunderstanding this? Is there something in here that, that you want me to see? Is there some element of truth? That's, that's humility. And then we go to the person second, to that person. Why? So that we can reconcile and hopefully gain a brother. So many of us are looking to gain an enemy. We see the post, gained an enemy. We hear the phrase, got an enemy, and we got somebody else that we could fight with. No, this is, this is, hey, go to them and maybe you'll gain a brother. I'd rather have a brother than an enemy, personally. Go to them first. God first, people second, and then 
If he doesn't listen, take, take one or two other people because maybe this, this is something that other, a couple other people would be able to see too. Maybe you're upset with them because you're holding people to your standard instead of God's. And if it's just your standard, then two or three other people might go, be able to go, hey, I, I kind of think that maybe you're getting this one wrong. And this requires all of us to be, to be able to go like, hey, listen, like, we, we have to be able to tell the people in our life, I, I don't think that you're right about that one. I don't know, it doesn't sound quite like that to me. You might want to think about that. Maybe go to God on that one again instead of just like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't. Can you believe so-and-so? Oh, no, I can't. That's what we tend to do. Like, you're just, oh, yeah, whatever you think, whatever you say. No, like maybe we need to take two or three other people and then start bringing in other people, listening to others. Here's the thing, especially when it comes to social media, I see this all the time. Uh, I've even been guilty of it myself. We have a tendency to publicly criticize others and privately encourage them. We publicly criticize. And then, when, you know, we, we get into it on the comments, maybe we go at it for a while, and then here's what will happen. Eventually, hopefully even, we'll, we'll get together, just the two of us, and go, hey, man, I just want, I wanted to talk about what happened out there, you know. I, you know I love you, you know I respect you and everything. And we, do, we publicly criticize and we privately encourage what if we flip that script here, Paradox? What if, in, what if instead we, we privately offered our feedback, privately criticized? If, we have, if somebody sins against us, if we have offense in our heart, we went to them and said, hey, you hurt me. I, I don't think that you realize this, but I want you to know the impact of your actions like we talked about last week. Can, can I just bring this to you? Because I, you're my brother, you're my sister. I love you. Can we talk about this? Instead of hurling a stone at somebody on social media for all to see, and then when we make it right later on, everybody else is still at war because of what happened between the two of us. What if, it, what if we privately criticized, but then publicly encouraged, praised, called out the gold in other people? Man, hey, I just want to, that's, that's my encouragement to you all today. Find someone, again, maybe you're on social media, maybe you're not. If you are, publicly encourage someone. Just call out the gold in them. Let everybody know how great you think they are. Do that in a, in, a, in a group text. Call your whole family together and say, hey, I just want everybody to know I was very proud of so-and-so for doing this. Publicly encourage. Publicly build up in front of everybody. Privately criticize. I think if we started to do some of these things, if we changed our pride for humility, if we exalted Jesus instead of ourselves, If we did whatever A stood for, <laughs> we started to cleanse our own hands and look inside and, and, uh, and encourage and build one another up, I think we see a whole lot more peace. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.